Radio 191 FM podcast. In Otiputi, a local government stirs. Oh yeah! Every three years, the magnates of municipal management compete for the top seat. It takes some pain to wear the chains. Is it their fate to sit for an official portrait? This is 2019 Dunedin Mania. Yes, it is time for Mural Mania once again on the Otago Museum Breakfast Show here on Radio 191 FM. This morning I'm joined by Finn Campbell and Mandy Mayhem Bollock. Morena to you both. Morena. Morena. How are we today? I am ready for Meryl Mayhem. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, doing pretty well. Thank you very much, Jamie. Very good, very good. All right, as we are with every candidate, we're going to start with uh, opening statements uh, from each of you. We'll, we'll, we'll begin with you today, Finn. Begin with me. All right, so my opening statement. Uh, youth need representation. Uh, we need a seat at the decision-making table because we are the ones who are going to inherit the consequences of decisions made today. We can't afford delayed action, and our election issues have become election issue hand-me-downs. I'm well versed on the issues of Dunedin because I've spent most of my life here. I really care about this city, its future, because it's my home. I want to see a Dunedin of the future where we're able to sustainably move around, living in warm, energy-efficient houses, and we're sending minimal waste to the landfill. That is what we will need in 30 years, and we need to build the infrastructure for that future today. Uh, my generation, us, need that for us to achieve the same quality of life our elders have comfortably enjoyed. I know climate change intimately through my own experiences. I've spent four years as a Dunedin-based climate change advocate with Generation Zero. I'm a former community representative on the Dunedin City Council's Environment Strategy, TL Turo, and I have a Master's of Politics at the University of Otago, where I wrote on the political participation of youth. Through my experiences, one thing has become abundantly clear. We're going to have to <laughs> rethink the way we move around and, the way, and where we live, because where we live prescribes how we can access the city, and how we desire, desire to move around prescribes where we can live. That's why we need better cycleways, better pedestrianisation, better public transportation that connects us to energy-efficient, safer, denser housing while sending minimal waste to the landfill. When we do that, we secure ourselves, my generation, a sustainable future. Vote Finn Campbell number one. All right, Finn Campbell. Uh, Mandy. Hello. My name's Mandy Mayhem Bullock. I'm 47 years old. Um, I'm running for City Council because I strongly believe in diversity and inclusivity. I think we've got a really good chance this time round with a diverse number of candidates standing to actually vote in somebody to the City Council who will be your voice. You're a stakeholder at the table and I think social justice is really important. Um, I'm surprised at myself to find myself running for mayor <laughs> and council, but it's a it's a natural progression. I got myself elected onto the Waikawaiti Coast Community Board, and I've spent the last three years getting into the nitty gritty stuff, roading, water tables, um, water, water, water is a big issue out my way in Waitati. We've got five distinct little coastal communities, Waitati, Warrington, Seacliff, Karatane, Waikwedi, and one of my focuses has been on community resilience. I think going forward we're going to be looking at a lot more extreme weather events. Um, Dunedin is a very coastal city and I feel strongly that coastal erosion and we can see this already happening at places like Ocean Beach and uh, flooding, like the Tyree, South Dunedin, something that um, my communities are continually affected by. I'd really like to push for strong infrastructure, ways that we know we can support our city 
and that we'll be safe and resilient with a plan in the future. Okay. Uh, first question for both of you. We'll start with uh, you, Mandy. Uh, transport has been a talking point for Dunedin Nights as of late, with upgrades to the cycle network, changes to bus routes, and the new bus hub, uh, and the removal of car parks. More changes are in the pipeline. Are you happy with the current state of transport in the city? And what, if any, changes would you try to implement if you became mayor? Wow. No, I'm not happy. Mm -hmm. Three things that bother me enormously. Why are there not bus stops in the bus shelters? It seems to be a bus minimum seats. bus seats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> seats. Oh, no, that's right. Yeah. Oh, it just grates me. So mm -hmm. they think people are going to grind their skateboards on them or homeless are going to sleep there? We know that oh, the no. homeless people in no. Dunedin sleep outside the 2-4. They're not going to choose some shady suburban bus stop to sleep in. Far too chilly. We need seats. Seats for elderly, seats for children, seats for your shopping. So one of the first things I'll do is address the seating. It is a DCC thing because they maintain the bus shelters. Seats, seats, seats priority right there. Part of my campaign I have been riding an electric trike sponsored by Dunedin Electric Bikes in the valley so I've been parking and riding around the city mm -hmm. um, test driving the cycleways to see if people with mobility issues can actually get out there and bike around. I've found that the cycleways are actually quite narrow it's hard to navigate to know where you're going um, the road has quite a camber to it, so if you have some mobility issues, that tilt I find quite disconcerting. Certainly um, exhilarating, riding the cycleways in my high vis. I enjoy it, but I am not entirely convinced that we've got the cycleways right yet. The cycleway out to um, North Harbour, is in West Harbour, sorry, along mm. the waterfront is brilliant because you don't have to be concentrating on traffic while you're riding that. I'd like to see more absolutely exclusive for cycling type paths and that waterfront development would be perfect for that. Cars, we've got an enormous issue with traffic flow and if you live, work or try and find a park around the University Polytech area. I think there are a lot of students with cars and their cars are just permanently parked on the street and it's really, really hard to find somewhere to park. I've got friends who get up at 6 o'clock in the morning to get to work just so they can find somewhere to park for the day. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alright, um, ask you the same question. Uh, Finn? First off, there's one thing that's just been winding me up, and a couple of like uh, councillors who <laughs> who want to who want to promote a particular type of agenda without having a serious conversation is parking. Um, I've been doing um, the urban design spatial planning space for the last four years, and in no way anywhere in the city has car parking being meaningfully be impacted. Like there has been one or two going in a couple of places on the one ways, etc. But there's been like parking is not under threat in Dunedin. It's a it's a protected species that you would think the council uh, has has gone head over heels to try and make sure is still there. And because I'm the person who's been trying to get rid of it, I can tell you I've been unsuccessful. Um, <clears throat> That it's because we're having a diversion about the com the real conversation that needs to happen in the city, which is we have built everything into the region, Dunedin around car infrastructure. So if you're finding places where there are cycleways, those are the places where it's the exception, and you're starting to find alternative forms of transportation appearing. 
So 85% of all passenger trips in Dunedin are made up by cars. That's the highest of the urban centres in New Zealand, and New Zealand has the highest rate of car ownership in the world. So New Zealand is a great car experiment, and Dunedin is the greatest city car experiment of all. <laughs> and, and, that, and that's not good. And so everyone's sitting there being like, boo-hoo, I need more car parks. And I'm like, where, where are you going to put them, and what happens when they fill up? Are you just going to put them on top of each other? Are, they going to, are we going to magically knock down more heritage buildings for car parking buildings? Like, what's, what's going to give first? And I think the real conversation needs to be had. We need to get people out of cars and into alternative forms of transport. So we need better bus, a better bus network. So Dunedin's working on, working with the NZTA and the Otago Regional Tra- Council already on keeping Dunedin moving. I think that's a nice idea, but I think um, Otago Regional Council does not really give a crap about buses in Dunedin. The three Dunedin-based city councillors think that uh, the Dunedin-based regional councillors say that they are a regional council so the three people who are supposed to represent Dunedin on the regional council represent Otago instead of Dunedin that's kind of crap so they're already outvoted and they're not even fighting for us at all so I think there's a common argument going around that Dunedin City Council unfortunately can't implement but needs to be done nationally is that Dunedin City Council should actually be taking hold of the buses because we're better served we're already doing the street level design we're already doing the bus stops we're already doing everything else we need to actually take a hold of the buses because the Otago Regional Council is actually just incompetent and they also have no interest in making sure that the bus network works better. Um, on top of that, I think we need to actually make sure that this city, whilst we're adjusting to these re- redesigns, is not a disabling place. For someone like me, Dunedin is easy and lovely, but there is a lot of street like if you look literally at the street and the curbs and all the bike lanes and everywhere it's not a very enabling place for people if you're not you know if you have movement issues or you have visual issues you're visually or mobility impaired this city is actually quite hard to get around i think that's something that i would like to see incorporated in all aspects of the city designers who is actually the priority and i think that falls into two parts you need to make sure that the most vulnerable people in the city are the priority and that <coughs> cars are not the hierarchy in the street design. So that's what I would like to do. All right, brilliant. Thank you very much for that. Uh, we'll start with you with the second question, Finn. Um, what do you see as the council's biggest failure in the last term and how do we fix it? I think we're still struggling with South Dunedin. I think <coughs> it's something that the council has only really started to address because it's had to. So. Um, We've started putting in a massive amount of infrastructure spending just in the in the recent terms, uh, uh, in the recent y- year. Um, that's something that is now you know we're paying extra now for it because we've historically un- not invested in the under under the ground infrastructure and I think part of that conversation now is means that people in South Dunedin believe that climate change doesn't uh, is not a threat to their community because we haven't invested in the pipes whereas I think it is climate change is still a a, a long-term problem that needs short-term solutions to make sure that we don't immediately have the community faced with sewage coming out of the ground every time there's too much rain, but also having that conversation about what are we going to be doing in 20, 50 or 100 years with this community because that's that's a real that's going to be a real big conversation. I think some people, some councils are making some really dangerous promises that they can't keep. Okay. Um, Mandy? Uh, our biggest failing, I think, would be core infrastructure. Um, we With centralisation and contracting out for a lot of the council jobs, there's been a loss of knowledge. 
I think that, um, like Finn says, uh, South Dunedin could have been avoided if all of those mud traps had been cleaned out. I think uh, people are very quick to blame the council for a lot of issues, but there were multiple things that happened on that occasion. The fact that we'd lent a lot of our service vehicles to Christchurch, we had to bring some trucks up from Invercargill to suck out those mud traps and things. So the Christchurch earthquake, we sort of loaned a lot of support and then left our own city lacking, um, unfortunately. Uh, I think that we're still recovering from the stadium as far as finances are concerned. And then, of course, there's Aurora. Now, people look at that huge Aurora debt and think that Dunedin owns it, but Aurora's money is for all of Otago. I think we need to break down Aurora into Dunedin with that power pole replacement and whatnot because people look at that gigantic figure and think it's Dunedin's debt, but it's... um, it's all of Otago. Uh, going forward, I would just like to see better working relationships with the City Council, consultation with its people, um, and just a better dynamic with the Regional Council and the operations team so that we're all working together for a livable city, for accessibility and livability for everybody. All right, very good. Um, Finn, we'll start with you with your first question directed to your policy. Um, You advocate for a zero-waste circular economy, a reuse cycle. Um, It's all well and good um, for Dunedin to, you know, to, you know, to advocate for such a thing. Uh, Mm -hmm. But people and companies, you know, work on tight budgets. Uh, There's a need uh, for ease of purchase. Uh, You know, if a company needs to replace its entire computer system, it's out of date. Um, Those systems are going to be out of date for somebody else down the line anyway. So they're going to buy new things in and get rid of that somehow. Um, You know, how do you expect people to just manage um, around finding something old within the community to use for them when that stuff might necessarily be out of its lifespan and, you know, and obsolete now? How do we, how does that system actually work sustainably and and to a zero waste, um, you know, level? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I think focusing in on electronics isn't quite a complete picture on it, but I think you're, you're no, right. I yeah, 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 I know, and I, th- I think fair, fair enough. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be interested in getting a, a computer from the '90s today. It would be a waste of everyone's time. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think it's fir- first acknowledging that if we're throwing something out, it is going somewhere. And as we've seen on the West Coast, we've got Kittle Park, we've got Green Island here, we've got a couple more landfills around the city. They kind of just bury and forget problems. So it's like, okay, you know, we put everything in the ground and then it's like, whew, done, you know? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be here when this thing starts floating around and rearing its ugly head. Um, so it's about, it's about, first of all, I hate to, you know, completely just charge into neoliberalism, but it, it, it is this uh, this pressure on myself to be a, a, a smart shopper. It's pressure on you and me. You know, if we go to the supermarket and we we want to buy something, we want to shop sustainably. Sometimes, you know, the milk's not in, you know, a, a reusable container. Mm. The rice isn't. You know, 
all these basic necessities are out there that a bit, we're being told to be better consumers, but the options out there are really crap. So I think the first step that I think we need to be looking for is that central government is putting out some product stewardship plans. And I, so I think that's going to be a big institutional change that is putting a bit more onus on the producers of the waste, not the consumers of the waste, to have that, convers- have that conversation. I think that's already like one of the big, bigger shifts. Mm-hmm. And I think what we need to be looking at is, say, within immediately within the city is uh, the restaurant industry. So, do we if we got reusable is a is a startup company that's trying to get aluminium bowls so that people uh, stainless steel bowls so that you can go to a store, you can pick up a bowl and you have to pay a deposit for it, and you get your deposit back when you bring your bowl back. Mm-hmm. So that say that saves you from every time you want to go to the store and want to you know get takeout, you don't actually have to get plastic waste associated with it. Yeah, it is slightly more expensive, and I totally appreciate that. But that but that's because the hidden cost of plastics is that you can just toss it out. And I think that's kind of where we need to have that conversation. Is that there is the, there are some really obvious places where we as individuals are expected to just you know be the smart person in the room and make the right decision but that doesn't work for everyone and i think that's 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 putting putting the pressure back on the producers not the consumers as far as as far as the conversation goes and i think you know as well as that we need to make sure that the recycling that we're producing actually doesn't go overseas that Dunedin or the South Island actually has a recycling strategy and the facilities set up so that we are not just producing waste for you know warehouses to kind of sit on for a while okay okay um mandy um now infrastructure's been touched on a bit but infrastructure uh is being is being dilapidated years of diverting funds uh, to things like the stadium uh and a lot of other things have left uh parts of our core infrastructure in tatters and ruins uh and now the city is having to pay for years of repair and replacement in one hit you know or uh, uh, over the course of 10 years instead of over the course of 50. uh how do we do that at the same time we're paying for current upkeep and keeping rates at a reasonable level True. Okay. Well, it has been written into the uh, annual plan that that money is there, earmarked for infrastructure. I think 35 million immediately, and uh, the focus, of course, will be on South Dunedin. I have concerns that if we did have another weather event, that the first thing that's going to happen is some um, septic, you know, sewerage, articulated sewerage breaching into the harbour. Pollution is a huge concern. Um, where is all that stormwater going? Straight into our harbour. So I'm very concerned about, um, like Finn, sustainability for our city and what that might look like. Um, I think Dunedin has a big road ahead of it. <laughs> well, roading is part of it. <laughs> roading surface, etc. Uh, I know we've got these huge plans for beautification, but personally I would be winding back some of that expenditure on the pedestrianisation of George Street and the waterfront development. I think we can do things simply and effectively with a really good aesthetic without spending vast amounts of money. I don't know if uh, any of the listeners have visited New Plymouth recently where there's this incredible waterfront. It's big, it's broad, it's attractive, it's accessible. And really all it is is uh, open green spaces and I feel that we could make our city harbour front look really good if we just had some beautiful plantings, some places to stop and picnic, some nice coffee outlets, you know, some food going on there without spending 
millions upon millions on this big sort of clamshell <laughs> development. My concern with the clamshell is it's got a lot of nooks and crannies. I imagine it covered in um, bird poo and filth very quickly. And who's going to clean into all those little bits there? It's job you know? creation. Mm. <coughs> I'm all about renewables for the city and uh, we need to model, you know, sort of like Finn was saying, naked products, everything being wrapped up in brown paper. We need to return a little bit to the ways of old where um, if we could just take a vessel and fill it up, I know that some of our supermarkets are embracing that idea already. I also worry about the heart of the town becoming a dead centre. Um, we've got so many empty shops. Imagine if they were artistic, creative, community, community studio type spaces that um, people could be a sense of belonging and well-being, bringing everyone together in the heart of the city. All right, I'll give you a minute each on these next two questions because we're running out of time oh now. No. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Finn. You talk too long, Finn. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what? I'm, I'm a South Dunedin kid. Uh, you mm. touched on this a little bit too. Uh, I grew up there. I remember the days of uh, when, I, you know, in the 80s, digging a hole in the backyard and hitting the water table. That's mm -hmm. uh, Whitehead as well. Yeah, 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 no doubt, no doubt. Uh, what is the plan to save South Dunedin uh, when it, uh, from what it faces from climate change and sea level rise? Can it be saved? Um... <clears throat> Yeah, tough, uh, tough, tough gig. Uh, I think most importantly, I think community and Dunedin City Council need to form a partnership about what's going to be happening going forward. Because I think after the 2016 floods, uh, South Dunedin got left behind by the Dunedin City Council and they weren't exactly sure what was going on. So partnership is the most important thing. But we also need to acknowledge that insurance companies are already pulling out insurance in their area. So if you're a first-time buyer and you've got a mortgage in South Dunedin and the insurance company decides that your house is now you know, uninsurable, there's nothing that the Dunedin City Council can do about that unless we try and fix up the infrastructure. So I think we need to have a short-term plan to establish infrastructure, but then by the end of this first term, we need to have a clear, you know, three-year three-year term plan, five-year, fifteen-year, fifty-year, one-hundred-year idea about what's going on. And I think that needs to be fairly communicated to everyone because otherwise, there's going to be a lot of anguish and grief about what's going on and false promises being made. All right, all right, and uh, Mandy, finally for you. Um, yeah, you touched on this already uh, before and Finn kind of asked the question as well. Um, you want more parking around the university and the hospital, but um, where and how? I mean, I can understand more mobility parking for people with, with issues with mobility, but where do we put these parks? We, where's the space going to come from? Mm. Yes, that's a good question. So um, I, all I can find myself personally is a few sort of dotted yellow lines around Logan Park that maybe shouldn't be dotted yellow lines. We do have some um, vacant land areas around the stadium and the waterfront there. I suggest that um, we set up a park and ride or park and bus so people who are commuting, they can get from A to B, you know, maybe a central city bus loop that mm -hmm. they know is going to take them to their doorstep, you know, wherever it is they're working. Definitely something based in and around the university. I think a big issue is that maybe, you know, there's five people living in your flat and all five people have cars and they're just occupying these residential spaces. We need to encourage students who are young and able to actually get out and about riding their bikes and you know, walking to their classes, maybe parking their cars long-term somewhere else. Maybe we need mm. a long-term, like the airport has long-term parking, maybe we need to encourage the students to long-term park away from their homes. Mm -hmm. uh, just because of that gridlock there. And um, as we are 
pulling down buildings around the hospital, they need to become temporary car parks until the hospital build actually takes place. I'm just considering the workers and, um, again, workers in and around the university. Uh, Lots of people talk about the Dunedin City Council as our biggest business, but that's not true. The university is actually the biggest business that Dunedin's got going on. Biggest employer in the South Island. That's right. Mm -hmm. All right, um, and finally, closing statements. Got a minute each. Go, Maddie. Vote for me. I'm the change that you want to see. I don't have any invested business interest in the city. I think a person on the City Council should be your voice. You're a stakeholder. I dislike hearing people talking about ratepayers. If you pay rent, you're a ratepayer. We need to consider mm-hmm. everybody here in the city as a resident or a citizen of Dunedin. I feel very strongly that the well-being of all of Dunedin's residents, a sense of belonging and inclusivity is important. What is democracy? It's your power to vote. If you don't vote for somebody you want as your voice on the council, then I understand why you're not going to like them because you haven't chosen somebody. We have this sort of dynamic where we love to hate everybody on council. Uh, but this needs to change. You know, you need to feel like the power is yours. I want you to vote. I want you to use your demographic power. You know, democracy. I live in the country. I need a voice at the table that allows me to drive my car into town and drop my kids off because, well, we can't all walk from Waitetty and there are no buses Mm -hmm. and it's a long way to push my bike if I'm in a big hurry, (laughs) you know. Mm. Uh, The city is bigger than just downtown. We're a huge city and we need to embrace all of our little outskirt settlements and our grand plans too. Right, Finn, go. Awesome. So basically, if the Dunedin City Council was represented properly by age, um, there would be four city councillors in Dunedin under the age of 30. And right now we have none. And so what I'm begging you is to actually make sure that you vote and you vote for age and diversity and representation on this council because there are councillors out there who have figured out that climate change is a talking point and then we'll turn around and make sure that they will do nothing about it to actually... for you. Um, they have no concept of the problem of climate change and the, the thought of them actually changing their lifestyle to make sure that you have an equal future to them is abhorrent and that's really disappointing and if you want someone who's been doing climate change in Dunedin for the last four years knows the issues intimately inside and out and will happily fight day in day out for a climate change youth based solution in this city that's Finn Campbell. Thank you very much. Okay, fight me now Finn. Let's uh, have a Mania Radio 1. Oh. All right, thank you both for coming in. It's almost time for news. This was a Radio 191 FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.